I invite you to open your Bible with me to the book of John, the Gospel of John, chapter 3. We're continuing the messages, a story to tell. And I want to begin by asking, what do you think was my favorite subject in high school? What's your guess? What's your guess? Somebody said history. And would you believe in the first service somebody said lunch? (laughs) All right, history. Any other guesses? Math. My favorite subject in school was math. I was pretty good in it. In fact, I would uh, participate in math contests, regional and statewide math contests each year of high school. So I really enjoyed math. And my plan was to be a CPA, an accountant. And then I met Jesus, and he changed all that stuff. (laughs) And I still like math, but I now realize if I had gone in that direction, I probably would have ended up being very bored because my personality type just isn't suited to sit at a desk and crunch numbers or enter data. And that just, it just, it's just not me. It's not the way I'm, I'm put together. And so I'm glad God redirected my life. And it's interesting to think about and sometimes scary to think about what my life may have been like if Jesus had not intervened and, you know, and saved me and forgiven me and set me on a different course in my life. Now, if you love math and you're a CPA, God bless you. You've got the personality for it. I don't. Nothing wrong with it. We're just all, but I'm glad for the direction God put me on, right? And the truth is, each and every one of us, when we met Jesus Christ and he became our Lord and Savior, we, be, we started following him, the direction of our life changed in ways that we understand and in ways that often we do not understand. Every single person who is a follower of Jesus Christ, he has changed their lives in so many ways. And this morning I want to remind us of a few of the ways Jesus has changed our lives because that's, that's part of our story. And, and I want to focus in the beginning on some of the spiritual things, if you will, the, 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 the things the Bible says about how he has changed us. And the first is this. When you became a follower of Jesus, your standing with God, your relationship with God radically changed, perhaps more than you might realize. I want you to look at what Jesus said about it in chapter 3 of John's Gospel, verse 18. Okay, Speaking about himself here, what he says is this, He, or the one who believes in him, believes in Jesus. So talking about himself, Jesus says, Anyone who believes in me, basically, is not judged or condemned. But he who does not believe has been judged or condemned already, present tense, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Now, here's what Jesus is teaching. He's saying that if you are not following him, you are already, present tense, right now, guilty of being a sinner. And as such, you are under, right now, present tense, the judgment and condemnation of God. The judgment day in the future is not God evaluating your life, determining your spiritual standing, and then rendering a judgment like you know a judge might do on, on sentencing date. The judgment day in the future, according to the Bible, is God simply announcing, declaring to the entire universe what is already a reality in your life. And that if you are not following Jesus Christ, Jesus says you are right now already under the judgment, under the condemnation of God because you are still guilty of your sin 
because you have not believed in, and that means more than intellectual acknowledgement, is to believe it enough, you do something about it, act on it, depend on it, trust in it, because you have not believed that way in Jesus Christ and committed your life to him. But if you have believed and you are following Jesus, he says right now, guess what? You're no longer under the judgment of God. You're no longer under the condemnation of God. You're no longer guilty as a sinner. Why? Because you've been forgiven. And so in the moment you gave your life to Jesus, all of that changed. It's as though you move from here to there, from the spiritual condemnation and spiritual judgment of God to being free of all of that because of Jesus Christ. Look at what Jesus said about it at the end of chapter 3 and verse 36. He who believes in the Son, so again Jesus is saying when you believe in me, has right now present tense eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So the picture is very clear. If you're not following Jesus, you are right now under the wrath of God, under the judgment of God, under the condemnation of God. Why? Because you haven't believed and been forgiven. You're still in your sin. But if you are a follower of Christ, the moment you became his follower, everything changed. And as someone who is in Christ, you now have life. You're no longer under the wrath of God, no longer under the judgment of God, no longer under the condemnation of God. And the judgment day is God simply saying, you're either that or this announcing what is your present reality. Now, the good news, if you are currently under the wrath of God, judgment of God, it can change by committing your life to Jesus Christ. But for every person in this room who's a follower of Jesus, whether you became a follower at 77, 37, or age 7, at that very moment, that spiritual transformation happened in your life, even if you were not fully aware of it. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 in the, on the screen and in your notes, there's therefore right now no condemnation, no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter 5, verse, verse 1, right now, notice what he says, we have peace with God through Christ. And those who are not following Christ are not at peace with God. Things are not okay between them and God. So one thing that changed because you're, you became a follower of Christ is your standing with God, your relationship with God. A second thing that changed is your lifestyle. Look in, in your Bible at 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and following. We looked at these verses when I was teaching in August on homosexuality, but I want to point something out to you here. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9. He said, Do you not know that the unrighteous, those who are still in their sin because they're not following Christ, the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, effeminate, homosexuals, thieves, covetousness, drunkards, revilers, swindlers, none of those, he says, will inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 11 is the key verse. Such were, past tense, some of you. Such were some of you. But you were washed. What's that old hymn? Are you washed in the what? The blood of Jesus, his sacrifice on the cross, making forgiveness available to us so that we can be forgiven. We can be cleansed like taking a bath and getting all the dirt off, getting all the filth off, getting all the sin off. He cleanses us. He frees us. He forgives us. You have been washed. You were sanctified. means you became the possession of God. You, you became someone who was dedicated to Jesus Christ. And you were justified. It's a legal term. 
meaning that in the courtroom of heaven you're no longer guilty as a sinner, but you have been declared not guilty, justified. Why? Because in Christ you are forgiven and no longer under that wrath, no longer under that judgment, no longer under that condemnation. And what he's saying here is that before Christ you were that, but now you're this. Your lifestyle has changed. We, you, you change when you become a follower of Christ. Now, that doesn't mean you become perfect. doesn't mean you become sinless. But it does mean you become different. And you have different values, different priorities, a different way of looking at the world and what's important. And your lifestyle changes. But you also become a new person. Look in 2 Corinthians, the next book in your Bible, chapter 5. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verse 17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature, new creation. The old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. That because of your relationship with Jesus Christ, because you are a follower of Christ, things have changed. They've changed spiritually. They've changed in terms of your connection to God, your standing with God. They've changed in terms of how you live and how you want to live and that you're not the same person. You may have the same body. I mean, you look in the mirror, you see the same person. You have the same history. For the most part, you have the same personality. But you're different. You're new. Some of your want-tos are changing. Some of the how you live changes. You're not the same person. You're somebody new. And I want you to to hear Brother Tom. I'm going to ask Brother Tom Cook to come back up and share some of his story with us today. Grew up in Ohio. Big Buckeye fan. Welcome Tom back in the Buckeyes. (laughs) Good morning. This is the story of the blessing and the curse of having an analytical mind. I grew up going to church, and the denomination that I grew up in was not an evangelical Christian denomination. But I remember in Sunday school uh, asking my teacher, how do we know that we're right and all the other guys are wrong? And uh, I never really got a satisfactory answer for that. At the age of 19, I left home and I joined the Navy. And I still had all those spiritual questions in my mind, but I didn't really take time to pursue them. And uh, suffice to say that during that time period, uh, my life didn't reflect uh, a person who was spiritually grounded. At age 24, I I met the woman, Laura, who would later become my wife. And uh, we started going to church together. And she was going to a Baptist church, and that was okay with me because, you know, I was just a kind of a spiritually inquisitive type person But after going to church with her for a while, I began to realize that some of the things they were teaching in her church were different than what I'd been taught growing up. And so uh, my sense of frustration increased because I was really unable to nail down in my mind the whole issue of absolute spiritual truth. And uh, I became more and more frustrated, almost to the point of desperation and and, and the problem was I wasn't ready, ready to commit until I could be absolutely sure of what absolute spiritual truth was. The turning point came for me on New Year's Day 1983. And I remember on that day that I told God that I wasn't going to make a New Year's resolution that year. 
that instead I was making a New Year's request. And what I told God that day was that if he would reveal himself to me and show me how he wanted to be followed in 1983, in that coming year, that I would do it, that I would follow him. But he was going to have to show me because I was at the end of my rope, spiritually speaking. I, I was desperate. And I believe that God answered that prayer in two ways. One, by the end of that week, I was able to stop smoking. And that's something that I had tried to do for a long time and been unable. Anybody who's a smoker knows what a, what a curse that is. God took that away from me. And I think that was just his gift to me in a way of telling me that he was pleased with that request. But secondly, and more importantly, later on that year, I met a man who uh, became a spiritual mentor to me. He showed me how to study the Bible, and he modeled for me what it looked like to live a Christian life. I still had all these questions about absolute spiritual truth, but here's the understanding that I came to. That having faith does not mean that you have all the answers. When you have faith, what you do is you act on what you know, and then you pursue the knowledge of God for the rest of your life. And so with that faith, I committed myself to Christ and I was baptized. Now since that time, I've tried to grow in my faith. I still try to analyze things. And I still don't have all the answers. But I'm convinced of this. That God has revealed himself to me in the person of Jesus Christ. And from my experience of following Christ, I know this. That when you get to the end of your rope and there's nowhere else to go and nobody left to turn to, that when you turn and reach to Christ, He's there. And He doesn't let go of us and He's faithful. And so for that I say to God be the glory. Amen. Thank you, brother. You've heard me say several times these weeks that all of our stories are different. They're unique to each of us. But they also have one thing in common, and that's Jesus Christ. That whatever our background, whatever the circumstances of our lives, if we're followers of Christ, that one commonality is Jesus. Meeting him and being transformed in some way by him. Now, it's easier to see that when you look at a Tom Cook who committed his life to Christ in his mid-twenties, the difference between the before and the after stands out. And uh, if, if you know, I, I know more of his story than he shared, and if you knew more of those details, that contrast would be very vivid. It's easier to see that. It's easier for the people who knew me when I was a teenager and became a follower of Christ as a teenager, being someone who didn't grow up in church. It's, you know, when, when someone has a background of not knowing Christ, not being in church, and, and, and then suddenly as a teenager or an adult they meet Christ, well, it's easy to see the, well, you're a different person, right? It's easier to see the change. And you say, but, you know, preacher, that's not me. Steve, you know, I, I, I grew up in a family that went to church all the time. And I gave my life, I committed my life to Jesus when I was eight years old. I mean, what, what are you going to see different about, you know, from one to seven? And uh, after I'm, you know, what's different? And, and so you hear these verses, a new creation, a new person in Christ, and lifestyle being different. And you say, preacher, that, I don't, you know, that sounds good, and I see it in Tom and you and others who, who were saved as adults. But, but I don't know how that applies to me. And sometimes, because of that, 
we struggle to share our story because we don't think we have a story. But the reality is you do have a story and you did experience all the change I was talking about. That spiritual change of being under the wrath or judgment of God and not, that's true of you if you were saved at 8 just like if you were saved at 28. But those other things about being a new person, new lifestyle, that, that's true of you as well, even though you, you may not realize it. Now, I want to assume that if you became a follower of Jesus as a young child, you have been faithful ever since. Now, I know some of you have gone through some seasons of spiritual failure. I get that. But just for the moment, let's assume you've always followed Christ. You haven't been perfect, but you've been faithful to him from the time you gave your life to him as a young child or a young teenager, whatever it was. Here's what I want you to understand is that God has been working in you to make you the person you are or the person he has in mind for you to be in the future. Downstairs, our children today, that's their focus. That's their theme. See who God made you to be. That's what the kids downstairs are talking about right now. And here's the thing. Let me just get out of it. How many of you committed your life to Jesus and became a follower of Jesus before you became a teenager? Raise your hand good number of you. How did Jesus change you? You've heard it said that he protected you. He protected you because here's what happened. Because you were following Jesus from childhood, he protected you from a direction in life that would have been much worse than the direction you've been on. He changed your life and you didn't even know it. The truth is, many times God protects us and we don't have a clue he protected us. Because if you've been following Jesus all those years, he protected you from what could have been. Protected you from what would have been. He protected you from a life without him and all the decisions you would have made because he wasn't part of your life. I'm saying to you, if you have been a kid and a teenager following Jesus, your life has gone this way. But if you had not been following Jesus, it would have gone that way. And that way would have been a lot worse than this way, even if you don't know what that way might have been. So you don't have to know all the bad things to be thankful that God protected you from them. You don't have to be somebody who learns everything the hard way like some of us knuckleheads. God is making you to become someone. And you can be an encouragement to, to others who didn't grow up knowing about Christ. You, you, you can be an encouragement to people to say, you know, you don't have to live your life the messed up way the whole time. Celebrate the fact that you had Christian parents and grandparents. Because it set your life on a trajectory. It set your life on a course. And that course is very different than it would have been if you'd been raised in a different kind of family. God did change your life. You just didn't know how much and in all the ways. Now, I want you to think about some people in the Bible in the New Testament. I want you to think about the Apostle Paul. Because every time we think of Paul, we think of here's this guy who was a persecutor, persecuted the church, persecuted Christians, then he became a preacher and a missionary. But there's something else about Paul. 
Paul, when he became a follower of Jesus, changed religions. In the book of Acts, we're told that Paul was a Pharisee, a devout Jew. And so when you think about it, not only did he stop persecuting the church and become a preacher of Jesus Christ, he he had to change religions from Judaism to Christianity. And that was as big a deal, as radical for him then as it is for people today. It was a significant change in Tom's life from that religion that he was a part of to his relationship with Christ today. And there are people that make those decisions, and when they do, sometimes there's a little bit of family trauma, and there can be some emotional trauma. But because they want to follow Christ, they gain so much, and it's always worth it. Think about Timothy. Timothy was a a lot like many of you in this room. Timothy had a a Christian heritage, if you will. We're told in the book of Timothy chapter 1 that that. He had a sincere faith, but before he became a follower of Jesus Christ, that sincere faith was in his grandmother Lois and in his mother Eunice. And some of you have grown up in families that for generation after generation after generation have been followers of Christ, like young Timothy. And that's a blessing. It's a great blessing. And and like my family... Not just me and Monisa and our kids, but our extended family. Very different today than it was when we were children. Because when we were children, most of our family never went to church. Today, that's radically different. You, you can, as an adult, you can be the person who begins following Jesus and it changes the future trajectory of your extended family. Young kids, if you're a Timothy, you grow up in that Christian heritage. Be faithful to it. Honor it. Follow Christ and keep your family in the future on the trajectory you receive. Because I can tell you, you don't want to be on that other path. It's an empty path. It's a lonely path. It doesn't work. Be a Timothy and be proud if your grandmother loved Jesus and be proud if your parents loved Jesus. Be proud if that's your family heritage. It's a whole lot better than one that has all the other stories to it. Celebrate it, honor it, and keep moving in that direction. That's your story, and it's a great story. It it can tell people who were raised like me that, that the future for my family can be different than it's been in the past. Think about Peter. Peter's a lot like some of us. We think about Peter being a follower of Jesus. You know, one of the 12 disciples stood at Pentecost, preached 3,000 people were saved. But there was a season in his life when Peter was a massive spiritual failure. You remember the night Jesus was arrested and put on trial? And Peter was standing near so he could see and hear and people began asking him, aren't you one of his? And Peter cussed and three times said, no, I don't know the man. And Luke's gospel tells us that the third time Peter said, I don't know him, that Jesus turned and made eye contact with him. Can you imagine? Cussing, I don't know him. And all of a sudden, Jesus is looking you eye to eye. And the Bible says, Peter, when he saw the eyes of Jesus, remembered that Jesus had told him before this night was over and the rooster crowed, you would deny me three times. And he ran out of that place and he cried like a baby. Some of you have messed up in life 
You've gone through a season of spiritual failure and you've wept bitter tears. Some of you right now are in a place of bitter tears. But the story of Peter says you don't have to stay in that place. That doesn't have to be the only season that defines who you are. For Peter found repentance and forgiveness and restoration. And it was afterward that Peter stood, preached, and saw 3,000 people say, you, you, you don't have to stay in that place of failure. I've read so many of the testimonies that have been submitted via the website, some that are on here and, and some that are on the blue wall out in the lobby, others that will be posted in the days to come, of people who accepted Christ when they were younger and, and then later for whatever reason went through a season of spiritual disaster, spiritual failure, of sin, but then came to that place of restoration, place of repentance and healing and hope and renewal just like Peter, don't stay where you are if you're in that desert place. But you need to share that story. If you're someone who's been renewed, share that story because it gives the hope, gives hope to those who right now are still in that place of bitter tears. Those of you who have that Christian heritage like Timothy, share that story because it says to those of us who don't have it that we can change the future. But if you don't share your stories, you can't help the very people who need your help. I think of the Philippian jailer. Paul and Silas arrested and put in jail for preaching Jesus. About midnight, they're singing, praising God and praying and all the other people in jail hear them. And all of a sudden, God sends a big earthquake and it rattles the place and the gates, the sails, the doors to all the sails open and the chains on their feet and wrists of all the people in that jail fall off. And the guard wakes up and he's ready to commit suicide because in Roman law, if one prisoner escaped, they would execute him and hold him responsible. And so he knows he's going to die, so he's ready to take his own life when, when Paul stops him. And he's, he gives his life to Jesus. He becomes a follower of Jesus that night. And Paul intercedes on his behalf with the authorities, and he's saved. And, it's, and by the way, and his family becomes followers of Christ. Some of you are like Tom. You're an adult. That's your story. You were an adult when you gave your life to Christ. That's what the jailer was. So we're all, we're all different. We all have different backgrounds. And that's okay. But we all have in common, if we're followers of Christ, that one thing, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. There is no other name. Under heaven, the Bible says, give it among men, whereby we must be saved. One name and one name only. And so we need to share our story because it's a story that can help people, but it doesn't help them if we keep it to ourselves and never share it. Can you imagine what would happen if every one of us in this room just started talking about Jesus? If we just started talking about him more than we do now. Can you imagine what would happen if you talked to your coworkers? your classmates, 
your relatives, your neighbors, if we just start talking a little bit more about Jesus, people you come in contact with, somebody looks at you weird, with this, you're wearing this shirt and they, just, they don't say anything, they just look at you weird. Like my shirt? You know why I'm wearing this? And then start talking. <laughs> That's not rocket science. There's some of us in this room who need to kneel here at the altar and say, Lord, the truth is, I've been, I've been embarrassed, I've been intimidated, and I haven't been talking. I haven't been sharing the story. I want you to forgive me. And some of us need to ask God to give us a boldness that's just not natural to us. To fill us with his Holy Spirit because he's given us a spirit not of fear and timidity but of power and of love, so you have to love them, and of a sound mind. He'll help you talk. But he'll fill you and control you. Some of you, because you're in that season of spiritual failure, maybe this morning you need to repent of that sin and receive the forgiveness of God. Some of you have done that and Jesus has forgiven you, but you keep beating yourself up and you haven't really accepted the forgiveness of God. And and you think that failure five years ago or ten years ago or six weeks ago will always define who you are. But it doesn't unless you allow it to. God forgives, cleanses, heals, and forgets. The Bible says He remembers our sin no more and throws it from us as far as the east is from the west. If God has forgiven you, you need to allow that, receive that. And your story can be one of healing and hope. And some of you are like that jailer. You're a teenager, an adult, and you're not following Jesus. And maybe today God has said something to you and you realize, you know, this is I, I need that experience that Tom had. I need that moment when I say, all right, I don't understand everything, but I know enough, and I'm just going to commit my life to Jesus and trust him. I know that much, and I'm going to depend on that, and I'm going to do something with what I do know. And we invite you to come, pastors here at the front, and say to one of our pastors, today I want to be like that jailer, and I want to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If you want to join this church, we invite you as well. So let's stand, sing together. You come right now and make your decision for the Lord Jesus Christ. Pray at this altar.